Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So last week we had a, a wonderful time celebrating uh, Easter Sunday together. We got to uh, make the time a little extra special. Uh, Joe and Sarah got to uh, take that next step in, in their faith as they uh, followed after Jesus in baptism. And so that was an, an awesome opportunity to be able to do that. And, and I shared last week what a awesome continuance of what Jesus Christ did on that day in terms of resurrection from the grave and, and being able to have that uh, demonstrated through baptism, the, the being dead to ourselves and alive to Christ coming out of that water. What an awesome opportunity. So thank you guys again. It's such an awesome time to be able to share with that. This morning, I want to ask a question. And this question, these questions we have to kind of reflect on before we, we go too far into our, our study and our teaching this morning. Who do you pray to? What are you saying when you pray? Where are you praying? When are you praying? Why are you praying? And, and maybe the most important of all, are you praying? And I don't need any shows of hands. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not here to call you out. This is as much a time for me to, to look at, at the, the areas that need improvement in my life as much as anybody else. But I'm going to hazard a guess here and say that most of us could benefit from some instruction into how to have a, a fruitful, a healthy, and effective prayer life. And it is all too often that, that I find myself, all too often that I see in, in other people that we are, are tempted to use prayer like the, the heavenly slot machine where we just stick in that quarter and say, man, it'd really be great if I got triple sevens today. Man, it, I just need this new car. God, just, just send the new car. And that's not to say that God doesn't answer prayers about new cars because he definitely does. But I heard another, a quote this morning, or this week, excuse me. The goal of prayer is not to change God's mind about what you want. The goal of prayer is to change your heart to want what he wants. That is the goal of prayer. And all too often I find myself trying to convince God, this seems like a really good plan. Don't you think that, I mean, this lines up perfectly with my calendar. It fits perfectly with my schedule, my stated life goals. Like, I could just check this off and move on and everything would be great. And God's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You have no idea the blessings that I have in store for you. I want the best for you. Do you know, do you know that God wants the best for you. And so often we, we want to, to pull out of context what we think is the best, and God's looking at that, and he says, no, I have so much more in store for you. 
Anytime I want to do a study on prayer, I always find myself drawn to these two scriptures that we're going to be really focusing on for an unannounced period of weeks. Because anytime I tell you how long it's going to take, we just need to double it and add five. So we'll just say some number of weeks that we're going to talk about this. So Matthew 6, uh, 9 through 13, and Luke 11, 2 through 4. And in both of these passages, they're called the Lord's Prayer. And, and we know, I, I bet a lot of us here this morning could probably recite the Lord's Prayer from memory. It's, it's something that, that we know, and it was something that Jesus gave in response to a question or a request from the disciples. They came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And if this is God's response to teach us how to pray, then this is probably what we need to be looking at. If, if Jesus said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to pray, and this is what it is, then my goodness, why don't we look at that first? Instead of me coming up with some awesome new plan. Well, let's not reinvent the wheel here. And so in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, it says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord's Prayer was never just given so that we could recite it. This is not the magic formula that we're supposed to say when we go to bed and say, well, check that off the list. We're good to go. On to the next thing. That is not what the intent is here. There is something important for us to, to recognize this morning. And it's, it has to do with the fact that Jesus is answering the question that was asked. That Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this. When you pray, say this. Behave this way. And so the Lord's Prayer was given to, to be used as an example, not a magic formula. And it, it was the, the thought, the intent behind that prayer, not just the words that were being said. There's a difference between praying through the Lord's Prayer and praying and saying the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, a lot of times, can just be that thing that we have memorized from Sunday school, and it's, it's just right up there with, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this food. Bless it to our bodies. Help us to have a great rest of the evening. Amen. Heavenly Father, help me to have a good night's sleep. I'm not saying those things are wrong to pray. What I'm saying is, do you listen to what you're saying? Are you having a conversation? Are we having relationship with the person that we're talking to? Or are we just blurting something out because that's what we're supposed to do? We know that this isn't just supposed to be some rote repetition because in the verses right before this, Jesus just went off on a bunch of the, the religious leaders of the day for saying, why do you guys keep just spouting off stuff? 
It doesn't mean anything if you're just repeating stuff meaninglessly. There has to be relationship. There has to be feeling, heart, communication. In this command that Jesus gives his disciples, and and by extension us, we have to, to recognize two things. There's a difference between talking and praying. And second, he wants us to recognize that God doesn't hear us based on the length of our prayers. Sometimes it, it, it is a measure for a, a new believer. Man, they, they pray so much longer than I do. They, they have so much more to say, and it, it's almost a condemnation on that person saying, I could never pray that long. I don't have... This is like four sentences. And this is Jesus. <laughs> if that's good enough for Jesus, then it's got to be good enough for me. And so maybe the real message here is, Matt, you need to just shut up and listen. Maybe we need to, to stop with all of our checklists, all of our desires, all of the, the things that we're just trying to spout off. And maybe we need to stop and listen for a moment. And so the intention of this study is we, we spend the time going through this. Yeah, we're going to take some time to go through four sentences or however many sentences we see in here. Is to look at the pattern that has been presented And before we we look at each of these specific requests, each of these specific petitions, first we have to look at the the prayer as a whole. There's there's seven requests that we see here. And so the first three are, sometimes church people call them the thy petitions. You can call them the your petitions if we want to bring it into today's language. So your name be holy. Your kingdom come, and your will be done. And then we have this other section that's the the us petitions. Forgive us of the wrong things that we've done. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And so this morning, we're going to look at this, this first phrase, our Father who is in heaven. And what we, we see here is in these four words, six words, sorry. <laughs> in these six words, we see a complete representation of who God is. And it's a very difficult thing to use six words to explain an infinite God. And yet Jesus is able to do it right here. This is not something that we would just say and move on to to the next section. It's important for us to to look at this, to focus on this and understand what it's communicating to us. And in the first two words, our Father... 
In those first two words, we find what many people will, will experience as the first stumbling block in this prayer time. One of the, the problems that can arise in trying to, to have this type of study is if we ascribe to God the same weaknesses, the same shortcomings that, that maybe you have experienced with your father. The same failings, the same inconsistencies, the same human experiences. Sometimes the word father doesn't arouse the, the same feelings of warm and happy memories that, that others may have. Some have had earthly fathers that were harsh, that were unloving. And to a large degree, we extend to God the Father, maybe even unconsciously, the same feelings that we have towards our earthly fathers. For some, learning to see God as a loving father is a difficult Thing, But the fact remains that Jesus is stating right here that there has to be an awareness that we have a father and he is good. If you look at the, the translation and we, we go back to original languages of, of how this scripture is written, we see that, that this teaching from Jesus of saying, you have a heavenly father, this is groundbreaking. This is revolutionary. This is not something that anyone had ever talked about before. Because the, the word that Jesus is using for father God, for the creator of the universe, the all-powerful, is the word for daddy. with maybe a, a little bit more reverence to it. So, dearest father, the fact that, that God can be our dearest father is foundational to us understanding why we are praying to him in the first place. The reason we come to God, the reason we pray is because he is our father and he wants to answer our prayers. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to communicate with us. And for the, the disciples that were there listening, of course they'd heard the word Abba, Father, before Daddy, God. Of course they'd heard that, but they had never heard that ascribed to God before. In Galatians 4, 6, it says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Crying out, Daddy, God. And so in this expression that Jesus is telling us to, to make here, our Father, we see a, a new dimension of, of communion with God, where, where we have this intimacy, an intimacy that exists between a child 
and their parent. And so when you start this prayer of saying, Our Father, we're recognizing that God has a Father's heart. That, that God has a Father's love for his children. That God has a Father's strength and a Father's concern and the, the Father's best interest for his children. It is impossible to come to God as our Father, except that we are born into his family through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we celebrated last night. That is what allows us to call him our Father. Being born into the, the family of God creates relationship, creates a relationship father to child. And this father-child relationship helps us to understand the, the heritage that exists in, in us because of what he has done. And so this, this relationship, this heritage, this inheritance, if you will, provides us a sense of being loved. There's a, a missionary that went to a remote tribe in Nigeria, and he relates to the salvation experience of one of the, the local natives, and he revealed this awesome experience that, that he had in, in encountering God by saying, behind this universe stands one God, not a great number of warring spirits that we had always believed, but one God, and that one God loves me. So often we, we are caught up in everything that's going on around us that we stop recognizing, we maybe forget or don't remember that, that we serve a God, the God, and the God loves us. And it's through that, that understanding of love that we then come to this understanding of forgiveness. Because love then leads to forgiveness. We, you can't be forgiven if there isn't love. The Jewish society that Jesus was so frequently speaking to thought of God as, as distant. Thought of God as unapproachable in his holiness. And to, to recognize that God was Father was something that was just revolutionary. One of the, the problems that we face today is that we view God as the opposite. We, we don't have an issue of recognizing that God is powerful. Sometimes what happens is we approach God with a sentimentalized idea. We have sometimes robbed God of, of his holiness. We approach God with, with flippant familiarity. 
and in the opening words of this prayer, we say, Our Father. And that, that addresses the, the issue of perspective that the Jewish people were, were dealing with. But then the, the second part of that phrase, who is in heaven, addresses our shortcoming today. Our Father who is in heaven. Yes, he is our Father. And he is immediately concerned about the, the concerns that exist in our life. But he is also God on the throne. The statement, who is in heaven, stresses God's, God's transcendence, his, his being above everything else. He surpasses everything that is human. He is sovereign. He reigns. He is our Father and our King. The Lord's Prayer is a, a model prayer that we're to, to look at. And again, it's not some magic combination of words that we need to be praying. When we stop and we think about what is actually being said, there are specific results that we can expect as we, as we go through this prayer. We magnify and we bring glory to God when we pray, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name, God. You are worthy to be praised. We just say, great are you, Lord. You live out the principles of God when you pray, your kingdom come. What does it mean when you say your kingdom come? When you say your kingdom come, you're saying, I want what you want right here today. Your kingdom come, not, not just in the United States of America. Your kingdom come here right now in this time. In Wood Street Chapel, in, in Matt Marish's life, your kingdom come today. Your will be done, not mine. They didn't add that part. That was a bonus. Your will be done, not mine. Because it can't be your will if you're asking God's will to be done. You have to allow him control. We receive answers to prayer. We have Forgiveness, when we say, God, forgive us the things that we've done wrong. We're reminded to forgive others. We feel victory as we proclaim, God, take us not into temptation. We recognize that God protects us. He says, deliver us from evil. As we go through this time and as we, we focus on each of these areas, again, it has nothing to do with these words. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. We recognize that the God that loves us, the God that has adopted us into his family is the God of the universe, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he wants the best for you. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that we can come this morning and we can proclaim that your name is holy. That you are all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-present God, and yet I can call you Father. Lord, in recognizing that relationship, and recognizing that privilege, we ask that your will would be done in our lives. God, that, that your will would be done here today in this time, that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That your kingdom would come in this time, this day, this place in my heart in the hearts of every person here, Lord, that your will would be done. God, we thank you that you provide for your children, that you give the daily bread that is needed, God. And it is said so often that you are early, you're not late, you are always on time. And God, what, what we may feel is right, what we may feel is, is on time is is secondary to what you determine to be what's best for us. And God, in, it is so hard to set those things aside, to say, I, I'm giving up my pride. I'm giving up my rights. I'm giving up anything that I have control over for the sake of what you want in my life. But God, today we do that. Today we give up those things. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop.